Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long, long after us. Uh, it's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories and song. We're very privileged to be part of that storytelling today and every day here at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present. We are broadcasting from Redfern right now. Redfern is the birthplace of black theatre in this country, and it's a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. This is a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sada Khan. And in a few days, the month of Ramadan comes to an end, celebrated by a big festival, not a big festival, the big festival called Eid. It's Muslim Christmas. And there's so many ways to celebrate Eid. I am Muslim, but I'm not practicing Islam except for when I am in my home country during Ramadan. And it's such a beautiful practice. And particularly being in your country of origin during this time is so special. There's nothing else like it when you're actually in your home country when this practice is happening. This thousands and thousands of year old tradition of Ramadan. Because it's one thing, you know, when you see it being practiced in amongst um, our beautiful Muslim communities here in Australia, but when you're home in your country of origin during that time, it's just on another level and it's um, a massive privilege to also be a part of as well. Yeah, on the show today, you're going to hear a story from Sana Sheikh, associate producer of Backchat right here on FBI Radio. She caught up with a bunch of other young Muslim Australians who observe Ramadan about what it means to them. Listening to Race Matters, I'm Sada Khan. I'm Darren Lasagas, and over the past month, Muslim communities around the world have been fasting for Ramadan, and there are so many ways young Muslims spend Ramadan and Eid, uh, just as there are so many ways Muslim belief, practice, and uh, traditions are diverse. And ethnically, the Muslim faith exists in so many places too. You have Arabs, South Asia, um, African, Uyghur. Yeah, and we also had associate producer of Backchat and Race Matters contributor, Sana Sheikh, speak to five young Muslims about some of their memories of Ramadan and Eid. When I think back at the many Ramadans that I've taken part in, what comes to mind is food. A whole lot of it. From waking up at 4am and fighting sleep, to eat before the sun's out, to hitting up the streets of Lakamba for arguably the best feed in Sydney. Oh, and of course, the relentless hunger that comes with the territory. But that's just my experience. There are 600,000 Muslims in Australia, and we want to know what Ramadan is like for some young Aussie Muslims here in Sydney. My name is Subi. I'm based in Sydney. I'm Uyghur Uzbek background, which means a lot to me. And for me, Ramadan definitely is all about reconnecting with God and spending as much time as possible with the Quran and just self-reflection. I think they're all really important components. And of course, alongside that, there's always the 
know, the more social sort of elements, just like people coming together, not only for iftaras and to share food, but also coming together in worship, which is also a really nice part about Ramadan. I think my highlight of Ramadan this year has been things kind of going back to normal a little bit. I know last year it was a very kind of isolated uh, type of experience, which which was good in its own way. But this year it's been really nice to, you know, go back to the mosques and, you know, pray tarawih in groups. And also the Likemba night markets is really fun as well. So that atmosphere is really coming back to Ramadan, which has been really lovely. Hey, so my name is Junaid. I'm originally from uh, India. Hyderabad. However, I've grown up in the UAE for my early 12 years. I was born there and then we moved to Australia at the age of uh, 12. For me personally, Ramadan is a month of transformation. You transform through connecting to God. And that's why Ramadan is special to me because God says in the Quran that we have prescribed Ramadan upon you, fasting upon you, so that you may attain taqwa, which is God consciousness. And it's really beautiful to know that you liberate yourself from the desires of your soul and only submit yourself to one true God who knows what's best for you. And through having God consciousness, you transform as a person in terms of the way you speak, in terms of what you see, what you hear. And thus, why I say Ramadan is a matter of transformation, because you see that goodness develop within you, and hopefully it stays after the 30 days. My name is Yasmin Jay. I live in Sydney, Australia. I have a personal blog, and I'm also a fashion designer. Ramadan is really my favourite time of the year because... It's when I feel the most in touch with my faith and improving myself as a person. For me, Ramadan isn't just about eating or drinking. It's about discipline and compassion uh, for the less fortunate and community spirit. You know, living in Australia, we have so many misconceptions on the media. So it's, I think, like being a Lebanese Australian and having the platform that I do it's really great to kind of like break those stereotypes and it gives me the opportunity to actually give people who don't really know much about my culture a bit of an insight on what we're really about and kind of break those stereotypes like even to maybe give someone you know someone a bit of an insight of what Ramadan is what Haiti is I guess people always assume okay you know Muslims are fasting this year they're just refrain refraining from eating but really it's a lot more than that my name is Miski, grew up in Western Sydney. The root word of Ramadan comes from the Arabic root word Ramad, which means heated by the intensity of the sun or burning. So I guess it's like this reminder that the purposes of Ramadan is to burn the sins or like, you know, cleanse yourself of the sins that veil you from a deeper connection with God. And so in essence, fasting is about mastery of like self so you restrain the ego, you take a break from your vices, your attachments. I'm sure we've all seen those quotes that are like, empty your belly to feed your soul. <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> And I was always like, what did that mean? Like, I just see it pop up on my timeline on Twitter and people put it on like a caption, like a cute photo. But, you know, engaging with that part of Ramadan, the older I got, I realized that it's, you don't just fast from what you eat, you fast from all your senses your tongue, you know, you try not to swear, your touch, your ears, you swap your music for Quran, <laughs> your eyes, watch more documentaries, and of course your belly, because you withdraw all the resources of energy from your physical senses to kind of reach a point of stillness and emptiness where you notice your patterns, your attachments, your maladaptive behaviors, and you can use that to redirect yourself to focus on a more spiritual awakening and like enlightenment. And that's been something that 
I've kind of just realized and noticed in myself where after Ramadan, just taking a break back, being a bit more still, focused on my writing and stuff like that. It's been quite nice, but I guess it's yeah, just like understanding it in like a different level. I just feel a bit like rejuvenated by the end of Ramadan and always come out with some type of nugget or wisdom that I've learned after to enact in my life for the next year until the next Ramadan. Hello and Ramadan Mubarak. My name is Zayden and I'm turning eight years old. I am Palestinian and Australian living on Aboriginal land. Ramadan is a very special month when Muslims fast from dawn to sunset for 30 days. It reminds us to do good deeds and give charity. This year my friends and I collected new toys for children in foster care who celebrate Eid. The month of Ramadan is a reminder to be compassionate towards the poor and those less fortunate. The best part of Ramadan at home is our bright Ramadan corner where we have decoration, our favourite Ramadan books and an advanced calendar counting to the days of Eid. For me, Eid has always been a pretty big deal. Ever since I was little, my mom has loved to sew my Eid outfit herself. We would spend the night before Eid weaving in and out of the crowds at our local Chandrath to find bangles to go with my traditional Pakistani outfits that were made with lots of love. We would spend our Eids with all of our family and our community probably having a barbecue and savouring the sweet delights of the past month. I mean, Eid is a celebration uh, that pretty much marks the end of Ramadan. It involves wearing nice clothing, feasting, presents, because we're no longer fasting, so we actually get to, you know, have a big, beautiful breakfast. And it's really a great way to celebrate with the family all the efforts we've put during Ramadan. Growing up, we, as a family, we would all get dressed up and we would, as a family, we would go and visit other families. So we would go to my cousin's house, you know, my auntie's house and different family friends' houses. And there were always, at every single house, you, it's funny, in, in Uyghur households, like it's the exact same table spread of like chocolates and cookies. And we have something called sangsa. It's like a, a spiral of deep fried sticks of dough but it's really funny because like you know we would go to visit the people but every single table looks the same at every house and there's always a lot of tea so lots and lots of tea gets drunk <laughs> during Eid. Oh Eid is just oh just like a celebration I think it's like a beautiful time I think whenever Eid comes like I'm just with the whole you know Somali community or we go to like the park for morning prayer and like it's the entire like Muslim community in like the district or the area that we live in and then after prayer we're just like lingering you see people you know you chat to them and that's when you send out the invites so like there are a few people in the community who we might know my parents speak to them like yo we're having a, a breakfast at our house come through so we stay there we have some sweets um, there's like maybe like a jumping castle for the kids and then you leave so you come back to your house and then we cook this thing called sukar, which is like, it's like uh, meat cutlets with like, that's made into like a stew that we eat with like anjero and we eat it and then that's ready by around, I'd say 10 a.m. And then everyone starts flooding and coming through. We eat, 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 eat. 
and then we eat until about 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and then we go to the park, Homebush Park, and see the rest of the community and, like, the extended community. And then from there, all the kids just link up, and then after that, you've done your part, and then you can kind of disperse and do whatever you want. So usually I'll link up with the girls from the community, and we just leave and do something else, maybe go to a restaurant, Maybe go to the movie. Yeah, take some photos, some nice Instagram fit pics. <laughs> and then just wrap up the whole night. And then the second and third day of Eid is when I go see my other friends from like different backgrounds. Like maybe join their family or we'll go to like the beach and have a picnic. Like everyone else, we, we usually tend to hang out during Eid with families and friends. We go out for long drives, cook biryani. Yeah, or or because of because I lived in the UAE, so we have that cultural baggage coming from there. So we cook lubaymat. It's just that communal spirit. So as Indian Muslims, we have nothing different, other than the fact that we have different foods. Everyone does the same thing during Eid, but it's little aspects like clothes, food, and talking to your talking to your extended family in India. And I think it's those little aspects that uh, showcase the Indian culture. You're listening to Race Matters. We're halfway through a story by Sana Sheikh about Ramadan. And up next, we're going to hear more about how some of the people we've just heard from Celebrate Eid, the festival marking the end of Ramadan. I don't know about you, Darren, but I am starving now. <laughs> After listening to everyone, just all of the colourful descriptions of their experience, particularly mm. of Eid as well. I love hearing people talk about food. I, so, yeah, right. It, it definitely is an indulgence I love to listen I feel to. Like I, I'm to hanging with, I feel like I'm hanging with the cousins right now at the family function. Mm. I love the Instagram, the Fit Pigs. <laughs> uh, I'm also wanting to be best friends with Zayden. Oh, my God. If Bless you didn't him. hear that, um, Zayden was the eight-year-old boy. Soon Pal- to be eight, seven, soon turning to be, eight. Sorry. Wow. Even more amazing. <laughs> um, soon to be eight, Palestinian boy. Talk about um, his experience of Ramadan and why he loves it so much. Even just the acknowledgement of um, country that he was on. Yeah. You know, that he lives on Aboriginal land. And I was just like, oh, my heart was so full. I just, I feel so excited for the next generation. Just like the way that they speak, the way that he was just like full of so much like gratitude and beauty. I was, yeah. And joy. And you joy. know, when he started talking about his favourite part about Ramadan and Eid, oh, little corner they have. Yeah, the corner. Oh, I know that me and Darren were like low-key choking up listening <laughs> to him. Um, we haven't had, um, we haven't, it's, are they I Gen think- Z? Gen, I feel like seven-year-olds are another gen. Another gen that we haven't <laughs> labelled yet. No, we haven't. <laughs> You're listening to Race Matters. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sada Khan. We're in the middle of a story from Race Matters contributor Sana Sheikh, where she caught up with a bunch of young Muslim Australians where they talk about their relationship with Ramadan and what it means to celebrate Eid. Let's hear some more from Sana now. As a Pakistani Australian, my Eids have always been a spicy blend of my two cultures. We've had Eid barbecues with tandoori chicken and chili snags. Through celebrations like this, my family have been able to continue our tradition from generations while also creating some new ones along the way. We still have our table set up in that very traditional Uyghur sort of way with the sweets, with the sangsa, as I mentioned. We, we also still have the tradition of giving money to the younger kids on Eid day as well. So that's another thing that we do. Definitely something that my sister, for example, has introduced is Eid decorations. 
So that's not necessarily something that we grew up with or that is a part of Oifu culture, but it's really beautiful, like golden and wooden, like moons and stars and like the Eid Mubarak signs. All of that is quite new. I think it's really important because especially in our community, Oifu people can't quite celebrate Ramadan or Eid in any way in our homeland. So I think for us in the diaspora community, it's important to you know, to kind of dress up in a slightly more awkward way, like I might wear the traditional hat called the dupa on the day of Eid as well, just to keep those elements alive, I think is really important because if we don't hold on to those traditions, then they might actually be lost forever. So I'm Lebanese, my background's Lebanese, but I was born in Australia. Having my grandparents migrate from Lebanon, my dad as well, my mum was born in Australia. It's just nice to have these traditions passed down by our elders. It's just kissing my parents on the hand, kissing my grandparents on the hand, on the forehead. Um, it's just a sign of respect, saying beautiful greetings in Arabic, eating traditional sweets, and just, yeah, it just reinforces my identity and my purpose. I mean, I think living in a Western society, I'm picking up a lot, a lot of traditions, I guess, that are Australian traditions. So I guess, you know, once I have kids as well, like I think tradition slowly starts to kind of like disappear a little bit. So I think it's really important to make, to make sure that you're going back to your roots and really enforcing those traditions to, you know, just to respect not only, you know, where my father was from, but where my grandparents originally were from as well. The only Somali aspect would be the fact that just the community and being with everyone and seeing everyone, giving everyone food, <laughs> but I'm still observing the traditions from my own family. And yeah, I guess the only like variant would be, you know, friends eat. That's the only like addition. As we're getting older, incorporating more of the friends, like, you know, Christmas friends, like on the second day of Eid, like at one of our friends houses, um, we just invite everyone over, but we don't keep it restricted to just Muslims. Like we even invite, you know, our work friends, our uni friends who come from non-Muslim backgrounds. And there's like an element of like, you know, gift giving and then just chat and just hang out and eat and watch stuff. Australian culture is, uh, is a very laid back culture. When it comes to Eid, you find that, you find that actually um, creeping in, influencing our our culture as well, our Indian culture for me. And now how we spend Eid in Australia is is basically we just sit at the back, we just go sit at the back and have a barbecue. It's pretty much the Australian culture, you know, just have a barbecue, uh, have a couple of, you know, not drinks, but <laughs> water or juices or Pepsi, whatever, and just talk about, you know, uh, talk about life, talk about business, whatever that's important to you. And you share that joy and happiness with your friends and family. It's really interesting and really amazing to know just how interconnected different cultures are. Um, it's that sense of identity, that belonging, and it's it op it's that open-mindedness. And I believe knowing once knowing more about one's culture allows that to happen, especially in this day and age where we live in a very diverse society in Australia. For me personally, it's despite me having a lot of um, cultures that influence me, I guess the biggest identity for me is having Islam. And when you once you have Islam, you know it it unites all those different cultures under the same umbrella, and that really helps in that that multiculturalism aspect. It's very prevalent in Australia. I think it definitely shapes my identity in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, just like the privilege of having been born in Australia has definitely shaped who I am today. Like the people, the communities that I've connected with and the opportunities that I've had. And then my oihuranness definitely is really important as well because without that, 
I wouldn't have all these additional things that we have in terms of how our households, you know, the food we eat, you know, the things we celebrate, the, the language we talk as well, the stories that we tell, and obviously the the genocide that we're trying to, you know, do some advocacy around and activism around as well. They were really important parts of my identity. And then, of course, as a Muslim, I feel like my faith just permeates through everything. It's kind of that common thread that keeps everything going in the same direction, hopefully. I am Somali-Australian. Like, a, how many times can something intersect? <laughs> it's like a major intersection of all these worlds. I'd say it definitely shapes my identity. There's, oh, it just, it makes it a lot more rich because there's a lot of things that inform your perspective because all the things that I really love about myself or my personality or, like, the things I even, like, tell my friends and stuff or in stories comes from being a Somali woman and being Muslim and being from Australia. And there are things that I can teach my friends from and people I engage with from my culture and from my religion. But there are also things from the society I interact with here in Australia that I can impart onto my parents and tell them about. We've just heard from Sabib Bora, Junaid Ahmed, Yasmin Jay, Miski Omar and little Zayden Diab. They are everyday young Aussie Muslims who are just like you and me. They're students and speech pathologists and designers. They love music and art and hanging out with their mates. Yet their voices are rarely often heard, especially when it comes to mainstream media. Well, I think because there are so many misconceptions having the platform that I do, it's not really about, okay, let me show you know, everyone that I'm exactly like them. Because the thing is, like, the Muslim community, we're not. Everyone has different beliefs. Everyone has different cultural t- traditions. So it's not about kind of trying to show people, oh, look, I'm exactly like you. We do the exact same things. But it's more about, like, spreading awareness about this is who we are. This is what we do. This, these are our traditions. And just breaking those bad stereotypes because I think the media can kind of like manipulate things sometimes in a way that isn't really the case. So, and it's, I guess, really upsetting and damaging to a lot of young Muslims, especially being a woman, because compared to a man, okay, you see a man, it's not easily identifiable to say, okay, is he Muslim or not? But when you look at a girl and, you know, she wears the hijab, you know, you're automatically like, oh, yep, she's Muslim. So I think that with my page especially, I really try to build up the confidence of young Muslim girls because with things that they see on the media, it can kind of be really discouraging. So that's why I think it's so important to have girls, to have a platform to kind of show guys, no, like, you should be confident. You know, if there's something that you want to do, go out and do it. Personally, quite liberating to do something while representing my faith. We want to know what Eid is like for some young Aussie Muslims here in Sydney. I'm very excited about it. I get to go to my grandparents' house and see all my cousins. I get loads of money and toys. This year I'm expecting a guitar which has been on my Eid wish list for months. This year I'm taking time off work and uh, my husband and I were actually going away for a couple of days just a bit of a getaway from the city. So after we spend some time with the family, after we you know, do the Eid prayer, we're planning on going away for a couple of days. So that'll be our Eid celebration. Really the whole day for me is just so beautiful. Just being able to just 
be with my family and like I've probably got about 30 close family members and just being able to you know eat laugh take photos for all of us to dress up is just so nice I mean like this year's probably going to be pretty special for me too because not long ago I came out with my fashion label that I've been working on for a couple of years it's going to be really special to see like the people that I love most in the world wear my things really proudly like things that I've put a lot of effort into my family does take a day or two off work just so we can spend it with the family attend some raid festivals yeah so we try to always do something every year with my whole family so with all the cousins and my aunties Year. This year's actually paintball, which is exciting. That's what we've chosen for this year. And for me, Sana Sheikh, Eid Mubarak. That was just such a beautiful piece from Sana. A, thank you so much, Sana Sheikh, for that story. I truly hope Zayden got his guitar, his yeah. Eid guitar. <laughs> I know. Uh, I love that for him. Dream big. Go dream big. high. Absolutely. Go off. <laughs> you are listening to Race Matters with Sada Khan and Darren Lasagas. What I took from that was how much joy uh, is involved with Eid and being with family and expressing faith um, and the traditions, you know, age-old traditions age that old traditions. people are finding new meaning in all the time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the importance of um, practising that as well, no matter what space you're in. Yeah, it definitely made me and Darren reflect a lot on joy and kind of what's bringing us joy at the moment right now. I mean, it's been... I think we're in a very reflective state right now from 2020 and the kind of settling of the dust from what last year brought. And I feel like for me right now, what's bringing me a lot of joy is definitely um, as much time as I can be spending with family, but definitely I've been writing a lot. This Mm. is the first time in a while that I've just been like writing my whole off. Like it's just been nonstop and I'm really, and trying to just keep leaning into it as much as I can. Eve, like, it's the first time where I'm, like, writing and I'm not deleting what I'm writing. Oh, I love that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What are you um, writing about? I'm not saying it! <laughs> you can't just tell us you're writing and not tell us what you're writing You'll about. You'll see it on screens in 2020. Oh, uh, now, um, Okay. <laughs> I'm leaning into it, guys. I'm she's, leaning into she's it. She's dropping hints she's famous. No! <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, it's um, feeling a bit more confident about the mm. um, where I'm going create, where, what I want for myself as a creative person and as a storyteller. Yeah. And that's kind of what's bringing me joy. I think, like, last year I was filled with a lot of doubt and um, feeling... Uh, feeling guilty for joy as well because, mm. you know, there was just so so many things that we were getting hit at from so many different angles and now I'm kind of just trying to, yeah, like I said, massively lean into it and remind ourselves of what, what we deserve. Mm. For me, I think, yeah, joy at the moment, you, you talk about writing. I have um, kind of tried to lean more into reading. I've been such a bad reader the past year, but mm. I think maybe I just haven't found the right books. Tanya, our executive producer, has lent me so many of her books. She's laughing because I have them all in my house. I'm reading one of them right now that I'm really into. It's called Sour Heart by Jenny Zhang. It's um, a series of short stories about these Chinese-American families in the 90s, uh, but they look at you know intergenerational trauma mm. and you know um, the relationship between daughters and their mothers and their parents it's incredible writing some of it is so striking like it's literally like a book i've never read before like the way that the narrator um talks from the perspective of children or like from people respe- reflecting on their childhood is incredible so that's one of the books that i have like on rotation at the moment yeah i've also 
um, dug into some Babylon history, which is like, uh, it's kind of like Filipino shamanism um, and like pre-colonial uh, Filipino shamanism. And I have these like book of essays that I'm kind of diving in and out of every now and again to like see what, you know, Filipino indigeneity is mm. a thing that is so powerful and kind of, I haven't really touched on um, before. And obviously like generations of colonialism of, of so-called Philippines have smashed into the ground in a way that, you know, modern or like contemporary Filipino um, culture doesn't really address it in the way that it has been in the past. So I'm trying to read more on that and um, like Filipino mythology as well. So yeah, I found the right books, guys, for people who have been playing at home being like, Darren needs to read more. I'm reading. <laughs> I love all of that for you. Yeah. That's, um, that's, yeah, no wonder that's bringing you so much joy. Like you're really diving into your roots and like, it's yeah i've i love that and the other thing is that like i'm finding new ways to engage in this conversation with my parents because they also don't really talk about this stuff because they have really no reason to whereas i'm finding all these access points i'm like oh do you know about you know this island you know like bohol and like this the history of bohol and my dad be like oh yeah my like great grandpa was that i'm like what like but they don't tell us this like do you feel like you're coming into a um new um age of or a new uh leaf Yes. With your relationship with your parents lately? Because I feel like the way I've been engaging with my parents in the last year or so, like my, it's definitely been redefined and I've been like definitely finding new ways to like get knowledge from them in a way where like they're like pouring it all out to me, but they it's, they feel like it's their idea. Yeah. My dad won't listen to this show, so he's not going to like <laughs> be like, you know, my daughter's been manipulating me. <laughs> but I definitely like, do you feel like you're yes. at, in this like new stage of your relationship yeah. with your parents? I feel like it's like a yearly thing. Like once or twice a year, I'll be like, wow, I've just like made a breakthrough and then I'll have yeah. another one and then another one. I'm like, there's so much to uncover. I like. Know. It feels almost unfair, but also kind of beautiful, you know? Absolutely. I think that's um, a really beautiful way to put it. It sits on this really um, interesting part of that spectrum of our relationship with parents that are Indigenous and also migrants Mm. and everything that's come with that when we live in a colonial space and what what they experience of colonialism and what we experience of it now, you know, it's um, something that I think, like my mother always says to me, and I've said it before on the show, that... Um, her generation was all about surviving mm. and our generation, we have the ability to now have a, a, a different type of critical lens. Like we have... The, it's like we have a different language. We have a different language, you know, and our, our kind of um, responsibility now is to definitely have that critical lens on it and take more compassion in our actions and we have a bit more of an opportunity now to... Um, you know, decolonize all of these frameworks, whether it be in our homes or in our relationships. Yeah, I, mm. yeah, that's something that's definitely it's tiring, but it does do does bring a little bit of an element of joy when yeah. you see when you see like them small wins of it. Because there's power in honoring the past, you know, yeah. like that's our ancestors, you know, that's our that's our foundation. Mm. And you know, when we learn from that, there's so much more we can take into the future. Yeah, hundred percent. You are listening to Race Matters right now with Dan Lasagas and Sada Khan. And this week, you would have heard about the ban on flights from India coming into Australia with a threat of jail time. Scott Morrison has been uh, extensively scrutinised and called out for what is believed to be a blatantly hypocritical and racist move, uh, as well as the entire Australian government, for suddenly criminalising people from COVID hotspot countries, particularly when no ban was uh, put in place when the US and uh, UK were blowing up with COVID cases and deaths last year. I mean, it's so gross. I made a point about this on my social media this week as well, that last year, um, towards the end of December, like the way that COVID was 
happening over in the United States. There was one in five people in California alone being diagnosed with COVID. So one in five people had COVID in California. And at the same time, we were accepting Hollywood actors into the country, allowing them to self-isolate in their own like homes as well, like in their own allocated mansions, not even doing hotel quarantine. So this move is just so gross. And it's even more infuriating when these racist bans happen and they're disguised as something less. It's like having the knife in your back, but being told that it's not there and even if it was that's not what was intended yeah absolutely and there's been so much discussion around this issue uh this past week but it is important to remember in the midst of this that india is going through this wave with limited resources and without the privilege of being able to social distance yeah i mean it's important to I think that's a really important thing to point out as well, Darren, that social distancing is a massive privilege, particularly for us here. Even having a lockdown where working from home is an option, that's a, a that's a privilege in and of itself. Having access to hand sanitizer, all of those, um, you know, care things, our healthcare resources, having access to that, that's a privilege. And India's current COVID wave is not affording these privileges for many different reasons and reasons that are really, really complex as well. And so we really implore anyone um, to donate where they can to the many GoFundMes that are currently running right now to source the many communities, the different communities of people as well that are being directly impacted by India's current COVID crisis. Um, we have linked a resource, Liminal Magazine, um, on our Instagram in our bio, they have created a page called Witnessing and Caring for India in 2021. Um, so you can also find that at our program page, fbiradio.com forward slash race matters. And there you will find the many GoFundMes that have been created to support India during this time. That is all for Race Matters this week. Uh, I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sarah Khan. We also want to do a massive shout out to Sana Shank. Thank you so much, Sana. Um, who helped produce this episode as well. Um, also, a massive thanks to all the people who shared their stories about Ramadan with us Subi Bora, Zayden Diab, Janaid Ahmed, Yasmin Jay, and Miski Omar. I mean, so many incredible people that were a part of the episode this week sharing their beautiful um, accounts of Ramadan and what Ramadan and Eid means to them. You can find every episode of our show at fbiradio.com forward slash race matters as well or wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Race matters. 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 Race matters.